we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Good morning, everybody. Hey, okay, I heard like five people. Good morning, everybody. Hey, you are here. Great. Hey, I, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we're, we're now past Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm, I'm curious. So one of the things that I love about this time of the year is all of the traditions that everybody seems to have. Like that's, that's what makes the holidays what they are. There's certain things that you have to do in order for the season to be right. And so I'm, I'm curious how many of us have some of the same holiday traditions. Now, I've got three very specific Thanksgiving traditions, two that I love and one that I hate, but I do them every year. And so I'm curious if, if any of you are like me. Raise your hand if, if you have to have homemade cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving. Anybody? The rest of you are not doing it right. <laughs> okay. And how about this? This is another one of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions, homemade sweet potato casserole. Why is cranberry sauce such a, a, why is it so polarizing? Why do people hate it so much? You, you, man, you, don't, you just don't know. Okay, my third tradition, and the one that I hate the most, but I do it every year, every year I do this. How many of you, like me, spend your Thanksgiving evening yelling and screaming at the Dallas Cowboys on the TV screen? <laughs> why do we do this every year? Every year they say it's going to be different, and it's not. It's the same, same story, but I'm going to, next, next Thanksgiving, guess what? I'm going to be watching the Cowboys. It's what I do. Hey, how, however you may be joining us, if you're online or up at the bridge, wherever you are, thank you for being here. And, and hopefully, now that, we're, now that we're after Thanksgiving, we're all sort of getting into the Christmas mindset, that frame of mind. But to help us get there, I wanted to begin with just a quick little Christmas trivia, okay? Real simple. Here's the first question. What is the best Christmas movie? Is it letter A, Christmas Vacation, B, Christmas Story, or C, Home Alone? How many A's in the house? <laughs> wow, okay. How about B? How many B's? Eh, not as many. How about C? How many, how many votes C? Okay, uh, does somebody boo? <laughs> All right. The correct answer is... Home alone, naturally. All right, question number two. What is the best Christmas song? Is it A, Blue Christmas by Elvis, B, I'll Be Home for Christmas by Bing Crosby, or is it C, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee? How many A's? <laughs> how, how many B's in the house? Okay, and then what about C? Any C's? Okay. The correct answer is, in fact, C. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this isn't really trivia. This is like subjective questions. And I'm giving you my opinion as fact, but it's not my opinion. The, 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 these are facts. Okay, last question. It's not multiple choice. Uh, just holler out whatever you think. Charles Dickens' uh, Christmas Carol, there's been a lot of movie adaptations to that story. Which one is the best? Who's got the best adaptation to his story? Just holler it out if you think you know it. 
The correct answer is, of course. <laughs> it's outstanding. If, if you don't watch this movie, I, I encourage you, please add this to your Christmas movie list. It's outstanding. Now, wherever you go, if you turn the TV on, you turn the radio on, you go to the stores, you see the, the lights in the neighborhood, it's obvious, it's clear. You can't miss the signs that Christmas season is upon us. You can't miss it. But I wonder, I'm curious about this, how many of us throughout all of the craziness, all of the traditions, all of the holiday craze, even though we see the signs that Christmas is coming, how many of us miss the signs of what God is doing in the season? Or we don't notice it because it's drowned out by all the noise. <clears throat> or we miss it because Maybe for many of us, more than what we probably realize over the last couple of years, we've gradually left home during the Christmas season. We're not fully at home with Jesus during Christmas. Now, <clears throat> maybe for some of you, maybe for some of you, the reason is, is just over the last couple of years that, like, you read the Bible and, and you know it's true. You read the story of Jesus and the birth and you, and you believe it's true. But when you get to present day, you just, you don't, you don't believe the signs that God still acts that way anymore. That God's not still in the miracle business today like he was some 2,000 years ago. And so you're skeptical. You don't, you don't believe the signs of God's light breaking through the darkness today like it used to. Or maybe for some of you, you left home because of fear or anger or because of your grief. Look, these past couple of years had, had plenty of those emotions. And so you, you, you gradually left your spiritual life. Maybe you, you stopped coming to church as often as you used to. Or maybe you stopped being in the Word every day. And maybe for some of you, maybe you just... You stop praying all together. You stop listening. And so you, you, don't, you don't see the signs. All, all you have, you, your, your fear, your anger, your grief, whatever it is, those raw emotions, they block the view. That's all you can see. You can't see God's light breaking through your own emotion. And so you miss it. You miss the sign of what God is doing. And maybe for some of you, it's your It's your past. Or maybe it's your recent past, or maybe something that's happening right now. Something in your past that, 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 that's causing you guilt, that's causing you shame, and you're still carrying it with you. And so you believe that God is with this person, that God is with this person, but you don't believe that God is actually with you, because how could he be? How could God still be with you even though you did what you did. And so you, you see the light. You see what God is doing. You see the light breaking through. <clears throat> but you see it in this person, in this situation. You see it as an outsider looking in. Now, wherever you are, for all of us today, in the house, online, wherever you are, the message that God has for us this year, it's the same that he has for us every year. His message is this, come home. Wherever you are, whatever the reason for the distance, would you please just come home for Christmas? Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you that there is not a door 
that's not already open, a door that, that's locked, a door that you won't open for us to bring us back to you. That even as we've drifted, that, that you've stayed with us. That you're shining a light on the path trying to show us the way home, wherever we go. And so, Father, my prayer for us today and for this season, for this Advent season, is that, that you awaken our spirits to the new thing that you're doing in us, in our world today that we experience the birth of your son, our savior, in a new way this year, quite unlike anything that we've experienced before. In your son's name, amen. So in your Bibles, I want you to open up to Isaiah chapter seven. And we're gonna, we're gonna live here today. Just a quick little historical snapshot about where we are at this point in the story. In the time of Isaiah, we're about 250 years or so since the time of King David. So King David, he represents the, the pinnacle for the Hebrew nation. That was when they were at their, their strongest. We're 250 years past that. And we're also about 750 years before the birth of Jesus. That's where we're situated here. In this time period, it's known as the divided monarchy. So with King David, you got this strong, united nation of, of Israel. They're really strong. And because they're united, they're not so concerned about outside threats. But at this point, they're a divided monarchy. There's been a civil war, so to speak. Isaiah is a prophet speaking to King Ahaz. King Ahaz is the king of Judah, the southern part of that split. He's a direct descendant of King David. And things aren't going well for them at this point. You see, they're divided when they were united. They, they were strong, but now that they're divided, all of a sudden, all of these smaller nations that are around them, they're a bigger problem now than what they used to be. And Ahaz, he's got a decision to make. You see, these, all these nations, they're worried about one nation, the Assyrian Empire. They're like the, the big dogs of the day. And so you got these smaller nations, and what they're doing is they're joining forces. They're combining their armies to try to hold off the Assyrian Empire. So Ahaz, he's got a decision to make. Does he join the alliance with Aram and Ephraim, combine his army with theirs to help hold off the Assyrian Empire, or does he stand alone? Now, either way, he's looking at a war, because if he doesn't join the alliance, Chances are, he's going to then have to fight them. So no matter what he's looking at, he's looking at war. Things aren't going well for Ahaz. And in the middle of this crisis, God sends the prophet Isaiah to speak to him. I want to pick up there at verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Sheer Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. He's worried about these two nations, Aram and Ephraim. God calls them smoldering stubs of firewood. Think about as, you, as you're getting ready for some of the extended family Christmas gatherings, you just about everybody that I talk to, everybody's got that one extended family member that they're, everybody's always on edge. Whenever this person comes around, they're just a little on edge because they know all it's going to take is one wrong word, one wrong look, and this person, this one little smoldering stub of firewood just burns the whole thing down. This is, this is the situation he's dealing with with Aram and Ephraim. 
And he's, Ahaz, he's in a place that he never thought he would be in. Look, he's, he's the king of Judah. He's the king of God's chosen people. He's a direct descendant of King David serving in the place where God's reign would never end. But as he looks around, he considers his surroundings. He sees what's going on with these other nations. He starts to question whether or not that's really true. In your notes, one of the reasons that keeps us from coming home for Christmas, number one, skepticism. See, we, we, we miss the signs of what God is doing because of our doubts. Like maybe, maybe we listen for a little while, but we lost patience. We got tired of waiting in our impatience it turns into doubt, and without even realizing it, without even knowing what's happening ever so slightly, we drift slowly and slowly away. I'm curious, and you don't need to raise your hand, but I'm curious if I asked you this question. How many of you believe that Jesus walked on the water? I venture, I guess, most, if not all, would raise your hand and say, yeah, of course I believe that. But what if I then ask this question? What if you're in the middle of the ocean, you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean, you look around, all you see is water. And in that moment, Jesus comes to you and says, okay, your turn. You come out with me. Let's go walk on water. I wonder if the same number of you would still have your hand raised. And yeah, yeah, let's go for it. You see, we, we believe in the power of God, the power through the ages the power of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus throughout all the ages until we get to the present age. And then when we get to the present age, what happens? Skepticism, doubt, they, they, they start to creep in and they take over and we miss the sign of what God is doing. This is where Ahaz is at this point of the story. But you see, God doesn't, God, God doesn't leave him alone. He knows he knows his heart. He knows he's struggling. So in the middle of this crisis, God sends Isaiah to Ahaz and he tells him, hey, be careful, keep calm, and whatever you do, don't be afraid. Now, there's one thing I want to point out here, something that sometimes we miss with, um, with the prophets when we read them. My, my junior year of college, it was the fall semester finals week. And it was a Wednesday night. I stayed up super late with my buddy Ryan Fortner. We were studying for a music history final that I had the next morning. Now, I get to bed probably around 3 a.m. My final is the next morning at 8 a.m. Already, you can tell, I'm, I'm in a bit of trouble, aren't I? I guess that's not a good plan to begin with. But anyhow, I, I, I stay up till 3 uh, and, and then I go to bed. And I swear to you, it, it's as though the second my head hits the pillow, and that right about there, the next thing I know, my roommate, Nate, is running into my room, shouting, violently waking me up, saying, Chris, wake up, wake up, Dr. Magna, your professor, he just called. He's, he's wondering, where are you? I look over at the clock. It's 8.30 a.m. My final started 30 minutes ago. I, I jump out of bed, I floor it to get to campus. I'm running across campus and I want you to get a picture of how ridiculous this situation is. I'm still in my PJs because I didn't have time to change. <laughs> All I had time to do was throw on a pair of my boots and my cowboy hat in my PJs just <laughs> hauling. <I> mean, <laughs> not, not one of my finer moments. 
But I, I get to class. By the time I get there, the final was already over with. But Dr. Magna, man, he was, he was a kind, kind soul. Just a sweet man. He, he let me come in and he let me take the final anyway. But I want you to consider this. I sleep in. He could have just left it alone. He didn't have to call me. He could have just flunked me. He, he'd have every, every right to do that. But he doesn't. He calls me numerous times. I don't answer. But he doesn't stop there. He calls my roommate and has my roommate come and wake me up. Look, if I had just done what I was supposed to in the first, in the first place, if I would have started studying weeks before, if I hadn't tried to pull an all-nighter, if I'd have listened to my phone, so many things, if I would have just done the right thing, I wouldn't have been in that position in the first place. If Ahaz had just done what he was supposed to, if he would have listened to God in the first place, then Isaiah doesn't even have to show up. See, here's the thing about the prophets. We learn a lot when we read the prophets, but one thing we need to know is this. If a prophet is speaking to a king, it means that king is not listening to God. See, Isaiah is speaking to Ahaz, so we know this. God's speaking to Ahaz. Ahaz just isn't listening. And so God has to send Isaiah. Think about this. Think about King David. How often do we hear about the prophets speaking to David? Not very much. Why? Because David was really good at praying and listening and responding to the will of God, the voice of God. Isaiah, sorry, Ahaz, not so much. He's not, he's not paying attention to the signs of what God is doing. As you, as you prepare this year for the Christmas season, I would invite you I, want you, I want you to wrestle with this question. What is God saying to me? Now, some of you might be saying, well, I, I don't, I don't really hear words like that from God. I don't hear audible words, and that's okay, because most, most people, they don't. But think about that question this way. Where do I feel the movement of God is leading me this year? Or how about this? Where is my conscience leading me? Because God uses the Holy Spirit to really speak to us through our conscience to help guide us and show us the way back home. You see... What was my professor doing? He was preparing the way for me to get to take my final. His ultimate desire was for me to succeed no matter what. This is what God does for Ahaz. This is what God does for us. His desire is for us to come home, for us to be at home with him for Christmas. The question is, are we listening? You see, King Ahaz, he stopped meeting with God. He stopped listening. His impatience, it turns into doubt and skepticism. If you hear this and you, and you, and you connect with that, you say, yeah, yeah, that's me. I got, a, I got a challenge for you. For the next four weeks, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make a weekly appointment with God. And I want to make it really simple. You don't have to get up early. You don't have to go and seclude yourself somewhere in the house and be alone. It doesn't have to be in isolation. Quite the opposite. This weekly appointment. Find a time when you know you're going to be out in public, when you know you're going to be around people. It can be when you're going to the grocery store or if you're going Christmas shopping or even, even if you're going to a, a Christmas party. Whatever the case is, this weekly appointment, it's when you're out in public and you do this. You, you wrestle with that question, God, where are you leading me? And you, and you do your best to try to listen while 
you're in full view of everybody else. And you allow that conversation, that conversation with God, that movement of God to intersect the life that's happening around you, the relationships that are taking place around you. You bring those two things together. And for the next four weeks, I would invite you, if you got something to write down and this is something that that you really want to consider before you leave this morning on your notes, write down, when is that going to be? Is it going to be a Sunday evening? Is it going to be a Friday evening? Make that appointment every week between now and Christmas and see where you end up. Now for Ahaz, skepticism, doubt, that's not his only issue. He's got other issues that he's got to deal with. What's, what's the first thing God has Isaiah say to Ahaz? We already read it in verse four. I want to read it again. God tells him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. In your notes, another reason that keeps us from coming home, number two, fear or anger. Like if anybody says these things to you, if anybody's telling you to, to be careful, to, be, uh, to stay calm and, and don't be afraid, clearly it means you aren't being careful. You aren't staying calm and you are very afraid. Ahaz is all of these things. You see, if you, if you stop listening to God, what do you do? You start listening to the noise. These things don't shut off. They're, they're constantly going. They're consuming. We're always consuming something. Always. And if we're not listening to that voice of God, we're taking in the noise of the world, then what happens? We start to freak out. We start to make stupid choices and we find ourselves in situations where we become afraid. You see, for Ahaz, he's, he's looking at these neighboring countries and he sees them as a threat. Why? Because he stopped listening to God. He's left alone in his brokenness. He's, he's untethered to anything that's stable. How often did this happen to you this past year? How often did you find yourself kind of floating? How often did you allow the voice of the noise around you overpower the voice of God? Like if this is you, if this is you, honestly, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if you live your life in fear, when you separate yourself from the source of life, from that one immovable force, the will of God, don't be surprised if your life turns into this perpetual waiting for the next bad thing to happen. Constantly living your life, looking over your shoulder, worried that something bad is about to happen. You see, Ahaz, he's not listening to God. He stopped listening long enough that he can't see a way through. He can't see the light of God. He can't see the signs of what God is doing in the moment. And so he creates his own narrative of fear. And he he gets impatient. He's doubtful. He's skeptical. And then he becomes angry. So when, when trouble comes knocking, he's got nothing solid to weather that storm. He's afraid and he's angry. These are terrible, terrible places to make choices from. Some of the worst decisions you will ever make happen in these highly emotionally charged moments. Look, stories don't go this way. Nobody says, you know, I was freaked out, I was scared, I was angry, and I went on to make the best decision I've ever made. Nobody does that. Usually it's the opposite. Usually, think about this. Think about some of the, the, your most regrettable moments of life, some of the dumbest things that you've done. How many of them were surrounded by fear? and anger. 
Usually, the story goes like this. I screwed up. Why'd you screw up? Well, I was, I was scared. I was freaking out. I was angry. I didn't know what to do. That's usually how that story goes. You see, when you stop listening, you freak out, and you make stupid choices. That's Ahaz. He's, he's wrapped up in his fear. He's angry. He's scared of these other nations invading. In Scripture, at the beginning, it says he, he was shaking like tree branches in the wind. But then God, God continues to speak to him. There in verse 7, he has Isaiah say to him, says, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. This thing that you're afraid of, it's not going to happen. God is being absolutely direct with Ahaz. No equivocation here. And not only that, how does Isaiah set it up? He says, yet, this is what the sovereign Lord says. He's reminding Ahaz, hey, you're worried about this pesky nation and this pesky army. For all of us, you're worried about this person or this situation or this thing at the, the, at the job or this promotion or this layoff. You're worried about this family member or this relational issue. You're worried about all of these things. Don't you know the God that you serve, the sovereign Lord? Look, that word sovereign, it means ultimate or supreme power. Isaiah is telling Ahaz, yeah, yeah, these kings, they're saying this, yet the sovereign Lord, the ultimate power, he says this, don't be afraid. It's not going to happen. This thing that you fear, it's not going to happen. So what about you? Has, has fear been the reason for your separation? Has it been anger? Has that been, has that been the thing that's created that distance where you're not fully at home with God? In your notes, I want you to, I want you to wrestle with that. What, what are you afraid of? What is it? You see, Ahaz, his fear, it, it takes him away from God, away from home. I wonder how many of you in the house, you hear this and you say, fear? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I got, I got plenty of that. Have you let the sound of fear drown out the voice of God? You see, Ahaz, Ahaz is afraid of one thing. He's got one fear. He's afraid of losing his throne. He's afraid of losing his kingdom. But look how God handles his fear throughout this entire conversation. Who is the person that Ahaz is afraid of? What is the guy's name? The one who would take over his throne. What's his name? If you're trying to find his name in this passage, I'm going to save you some time. We don't know. We don't know his name. Why? Because God never mentions his name. In this short little passage, a total of seven names are mentioned. But we don't get that one name. See, God doesn't focus on the fear. Instead, he reminds Ahaz of a promise. What about you? Once you name your fear, and, and, and make no mistake, we all have a fear. Every one of us, we all have that fear. Once you name it, you got a choice to make. And the choice is this, what, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on that fear? Are you going to carry it with you? So everywhere you go, that's all you see. It, it becomes your traveling buddy. And because you carry it with you, because you become so obsessed with it, 
your perspective tells you that that's all there is. It's all encompassing. It's everywhere. It's really only one place, but you carry it with you that it's, it's taking over your entire world. You can do that. You can make that choice and allow yourself to just fixate on that fear. Or you can remember the promise of God. You see, God's telling Ahaz, don't, don't, don't you remember? Don't you remember who you are, where you come from? You're Ahaz. You're son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, your direct descendant of King David. You're king of Judah. You're king of my chosen people. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who I say you are. And don't forget, don't forget the promise that I gave to your dad and his dad, all the way back to King David, all the way back to Moses, all the way back to Abraham. That promise from back then is just as true today as it was then. Don't forget the promise. If this is you, if fear becomes the reason for the separation, if fear is the thing that you focus on, I want to invite you, as that fear starts to steep, uh, start to seep in, I want you to claim a promise. And it's, it's spread throughout this entire Bible in so many different ways. But the promise is this. We read in Deuteronomy 31, it says, Do, uh, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, because of this situation or that person or this issue or this relational thing, whatever it is. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. In your notes, name your fear, but then remember your God. Remember the promise of God. And you hold on to that promise when you're, when you're finding yourself fixating on that fear. Hold on to that promise that covers your fear and you claim it and you, you replay it in your mind. Be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid. And remember the reason that God gives you. This is for the Lord your God goes with you. And not only that, he's always going to be with you. He's never leaving you. He's never going to forsake you. That promise is just as alive today as it was 2,000 years ago, as it was 10,000 years ago. Just as alive. Even if you feel like you're far from home, even if you feel like you've, you've spent too many years wandering, even for those of us, I think we'll find we're not as far as what we think because every step that we take away from God, God takes one more step reaching out. We step away, he steps closer. We step away, he steps closer. Take a look at verse 11. Isaiah speaking to Ahaz, he says, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. I like how he says this, this statement. Because you, you get just a hint of Psalm 139, one of David's psalms, when, when David says, Lord, where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, still I find you there. No matter where I go, God, you are with me. And in this critical moment for King Ahaz, Isaiah comes and speaks to him, but he speaks to him through the voices of the psalms, of the promises, of the prayers of the people that have come before him, just to remind him, remember where you come from. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget about the promise. God is with you. But then Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Sounds well, all well and good, right? Like he's saying, hey, I don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to put the Lord to the test. I trust him. I don't need a sign. But what he really means is this. 
hey, God, I moved on. I made other plans. How many of you have moved on? How many of you, you're, you're here, but deep down, you're not. You made other plans, you, you sacrificed your own loyalty, and it's, it's not that you don't think God is faithful anymore. The issue is no longer that. The issue is now your own lack of faith, your own guilt, your own shame, they, your impatience. It led you to do something that you're not proud of. And the memory of it, just it, it's on replay in your mind, and you can't let it go. One of the biggest reasons that keep us from coming home for Christmas in your notes, number three, guilt and shame. Now, how many of you, you, you have this one area, just this, this one area in your life that you, that you keep closed off, keep tucked away, away from God? It's something you don't talk about, you don't really confront, you just kind of leave it over here, something from your past, or maybe something that's happening right now. You know, you, you, you see the light of God. You see the signs of what God is doing, but you can't handle the guilt of this one area. And so you try to ignore like it's not really a thing. You tuck it away. You say, hey, God, let's, God, let's not worry about this one thing over here. Let's, let's, let's not worry about this one moment of dishonesty. Hey, God, let's not, let's not worry about this one moment of infidelity. God, let's, let's not worry about this one little area of addiction. Let's, let's not worry about it. Because, hey, God, the, the rest of me is with you. I'm with you, God. Let's just allow this thing to be where it is. We won't talk about it. It'll just be over here, and we'll all be over here, and, and it'll be fine. In your notes, what guilt are you carrying? Because you see that, that, that one little area, it, it doesn't go away. What happens? You keep feeding it. And like a cancer, it grows. I wonder how many of you, if you went to the doctor and the doctor tells you, hey, I got bad news. It's cancer. But the good news is we caught it early. It hasn't spread yet. It's just in this one little spot. How many of you in that moment would say, Oh, geez, that's, that's a relief, God. That's just great. Tell you what, Doc, we're, we're not going to worry about that one little spot of cancer. We're just going to pretend like it's not there. We'll, we'll ignore it. We won't talk about it. It'll just stay over there. Hey, let's not worry about that. Hey, God, Doc, let's focus on the rest of me that's healthy. Like the rest of me is great. Let's, let's, let's just talk about that. We won't worry about that one little spot of cancer. How many of you would do that? If you're smart, you don't do that because you know what happens if you leave it alone. Why do you think a spiritual form of cancer is any less dangerous? You see, you, you leave it alone. You don't talk about it. And what was once just a little bit of guilt, a little bit of shame, what does it do? It grows, it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows until one day the most predominant emotion that you feel is the very emotion that keeps you from coming home. So God says, no, no, no. I want every bit of you to come home for Christmas. Bring your brokenness, bring your doubts, your shame, your guilt, your fear, your anger, all of it. I want all of you, every bit of who you are, I want you to come home. Bring your brokenness, own it. In your notes, God won't heal what we don't own. 
that one area of guilt in your life, it's not God's desire for you to keep carrying it around through life. That's not what he wants for you. The message of Christmas is this. Verse 14 in Isaiah 7, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God says, hey, I know you're not looking for a sign. You're not asking for a sign. I know you're not reaching out to me, but I'm still reaching out to you. I'm not giving up on you. God tells all of us, all the skeptics, all the doubters, all the, all the ones wrapped up in fear and anger, anxiety, all of those things. He says, I'm reaching out to you no matter what. No matter what you do, it's not going to stop me from reaching out to you. And here's the sign. Emmanuel, God with us. He's not saying God was with us or God will be with us, but God with us always in the present. You see, God is with us through Jesus, not to just hang out, not to just be a yes man. He's with us to restore us, to repair us, to redeem us, to reconcile us, to bring us back home. But God won't heal, God won't repair, God won't redeem, God won't restore what we refuse to own. What is that area? What is that area for you that keeps you away? That moment in your life, that, that, that one place of grief. Maybe you lost somebody really important. And your grief, it, it, turned, it turned into doubt where you question whether or not God really even cares about your grief. Or is it an area of brokenness, an area that you're just, you're not ready to claim yet, you're not ready to deal with? Whatever it is, God has a sign for all of us. The sign is Emmanuel. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel to let us know God is with us in the form of a baby, in the form of a little child, no matter what. Despite all the fears, all the doubts, all the worries, all the anxieties, to let us know that no matter what, God continues to create life, no matter what. And nothing can stop it. Just like nothing, nothing is too powerful to keep God from creating new life in you today. God signed for all of us this year. Emmanuel, God with us. The word, the word that was with God in the beginning, the word, the one through whom all things were made. And nothing has been made a part of him. That in him is life. He is the light for all humanity. And here's the good news. Here's the message of Christmas. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how much guilt, no matter how much shame, the light continues to shine through the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. This is how I want to finish. I want to point something out. Ahaz is worried about a war. He's worried about a battle. He's worried about strong men with strong swords and bows and arrows and chariots and bloodshed. These are the things he's worried about. And God sends him a sign, and his sign is a child. I want you to think about that. How do you, how do you make sense of that? I would invite you to, to wrestle with that, try to make sense of it in, in your own terms. But as you do that, I want to tell you how I make sense of it. This is how I make sense of it. Come here, Ava. I want you to meet somebody very, very special to me. This is my daughter, Ava. Ava, can you say hi to everybody? Hi. So every morning, I have a very specific routine. I wake up at a time, I get up, I have my quiet time, 
And then after a little while, I go and I wake up the rest of the family. Ava, who's the first person that I wake up every morning? Me. It's you. What do we do? What do we do whenever I wake you up? What do we talk about? Um, breakfast and what we're going to do today. What we're going to do for the day. And there's one thing that I say to you every morning. Every morning that I look at you and I smile and I'll say, hey, Ava, guess what? You put the first smile on my face today and every morning. You do that. You, you're the first one to put a smile on my face because you're the first one that I see. I look at her. And I, I'm reminded of this promise. I'm reminded of this sign that despite all of my brokenness, despite all of my, my screw-ups, all of my fear, all of my doubt, all of my anger, all of my guilt, all of my shame, despite all of that, every morning, God reminds me of his message of hope. And he reminds me through the smiles and the giggles of my little Ava. He reminds me that it doesn't matter what I do, he's still reaching out to me. Just as he tells Ahaz, hey, yeah, in, in about 750 years, a very special baby is going to be born. But until, until then, from now until then, every time you see a child, as you're worrying about these battles and these strong men with strong weapons, look at a child, listen to him smile and giggle. And remember, nothing can stop my message of hope. Nothing can stop my will. Nothing can keep me from creating new life in every one of us. Ava, do you want to say anything else? Are you okay? I'm good. You good? You good? <laughs> okay. Have we, have we kept ever, everybody here long enough? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we probably have. <laughs> so do you, you know, do a handshake? Okay. All right. Ready? Here you go. Boom. Good job. Do you want to pray or do you want me to pray? Yeah. I'll pray? Okay, I'll pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your just persistent message of hope. A message, a sign that, that no matter how dark it is, your light shines through it. Your light continues to create new life in all of us, around us, and through us. So Father, open us up to what you're doing today, this season. This Christmas, show us the way back home and help us to show the way for somebody else to find their way back home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.